Welcome to a new episode of the Creative Industry Insight Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby. We welcome set decorator Joanne Ling, who joins us to talk about their work on past lives. Joanne will talk us through the creative decisions made to create the right look for the film. Please be warned, there are heavy spoilers in this episode. Now let's jump into the conversation with Joanne. Hi, Joanne. Thanks for joining me today. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we could sit down and talk about past lives that has come out recently in the UK and then that hit uh, video demand in August, I think, um, but had its premiere at Sundance to rave reviews. And it seems like uh, a lot of people have enjoyed the film. And it's a very, I think the best way to describe it is a very beautiful film in terms of just kind of studying the lives of people and being on the fly on the wall of people's relationships and what it means to them. Uh, Agreed. Agreed. I think that um, all of that came through from the script. When you read Celine's script, it is beautiful and economical and very tight. And you, you feel that you're, you're really being told a beautiful tale and it's got a lovely arc to it and um you know it, it it's a film that all of us felt you don't always feel this way as I'm sure you know you don't always feel like you don't you know how something's going to hit and you don't know if it's going to be big or whatever but when you when you read this script you knew this was going to be a beautiful story it just was it, she she just crafted an, an exquisite, an exquisite script. And I think it's just the way you fall in love with the characters and in a way you kind of, you, you relate to them in a way because there's times where, I don't know if you've had that, but when you've been with people where it, sometimes it doesn't work out or it's just certain circumstances that get in the way of what happens, but then also the decisions that people make affect so many different things but then those are decisions that you make uh, there's decisions that you make that that then necessarily you might not meet other people and it's kind of just like another another sliding doors moment of how life happens yes and i think that there's also a lot of space uh it's not actually it doesn't feel a lot of words it's not like a constant stream of gavel Again, it's economical. You're given enough to to paint a character, and I think her, I think the the theatrical. She comes from theater, and I think the theater shows it's a it's a it's really clean, and it gives you a lot of it gives you a lot of help, guidance, latitude as well as a collaborator to work with to work with material like this. And I think that probably helps as well. Like if you're creating the look of it, helping create the look of the film in terms of having that as like, you know, what sort, you know, what sort of characters you're dealing with and their ambitions and what they want to achieve. And I guess when it's over like sort of three different time periods as well, it probably helps in the design point as well, where you can think of the time and then think what could be populate these people's lives in terms of items that they might have. There's a bit of that. Um, there's a universality about being a uh, college student, for instance, and what's going to be in a dorm room. But there's a, a Grace, uh, Grace Young, who is the designer, was very clear and very specific about uh, nailing a Korean aesthetic. Um, and that is a very, in each time period, and that is a very specific look. There were lots of things that I didn't have any grounding in that I had to learn about. And a lot of these things are very, very subtle. The curve of a mass-produced bed frame, uh, wooden bed frame, like a like the IKEA of the of the day or the moment, is very different in each different place. And in order to really there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of stuff of course that we do that you don't see. In this case, in the case of this film, whole sets. But 
there was a lot of care put into the details of each character's space. We did we did spaces that were set in Korea, and and that was you know that that was a focus. It was about getting as close as possible to the feel of the places. So it was uh, in many ways less less akin to drawing on personal experience and more on research and finding lots of stuff and um, developing a really interesting way of getting stuff from Korea, which isn't always straightforward. <laughs> I, I was introduced by email to a work colleague friend of one of my closest friends who is Korean and lives in Korea and is a banker, but he is a film buff. And he was someone I could write to and ask questions. And I could get him to take pictures of his kitchen and pictures of his floor and talk about specific, really small details, not the kind of things that you would find if you weren't there, if you weren't living this really sort of quotidian life. So that was very interesting. I wonder what this conversation must have been like at first with your friend to just say, oh, yeah, hi, I'm making this film, but I need these like really random images to really help in our research and what we need to do. It's I guess sometimes like sometimes it's like really weird to like, wrap your head around like these sort of requests that you give for people. But I think as him being a film buff, it's probably he was probably jumped at the opportunity to be able to help out. Exactly. He really, really was. And and because he had a very straight job working in finance and really towing towing the company man line, he was kind of thrilled to be asked questions about something that he really could help with that was that he he had specialized knowledge in. It was it was a lot of fun. But yeah, you know, the in my job I end up asking a lot of strange questions to people and you know, I have a friend in Arizona for another project who I needed him to send me pictures of his garage. You know, there's all kinds of stuff like that. There's like weird, weird details that really exist in life that you want to nail because they're real and it makes a difference. And we we try to do that for sure. Again, it's like um, because there's always going to be like a big contrast between how things look in Korea and how they look in America you're mentioning already about like bed frames and then what sort of things would look in dorms. I think like a, a big thing as well. It's like how in America, like the college students, they have like Apple products whilst in Korea, it would be something else. And you kind of notice that with the iPhone and also having a Mac, but do you feel as well, like as a set decorator, because you're, you're doing a film that's set in modern times, but then also goes back a number of years. It's like also a period piece. How do you go about with your research to finding out what would be specific for those time periods? But also, even though it doesn't feel that long ago, acquiring some tech and other items might be quite difficult. Yeah, it is. It's always it's always a little bit weird. And, you know, thank goodness for, you know, eBay. And you could get a lot of you could get a lot of weird, weird stuff. People have stuff. People have people have garages. They have these they have these sheds full of weird things. There's somebody somewhere who's got piles and piles and piles of dot matrix paper, you know? There's that guy. So you can you can you can uh you can find specific things. And it was it was interesting too because um there's 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 the things that research shows you and then there's the things that feel right to people who are there. So Grace, our designer, is Korean, has family in Korea, has spent a lot of time there. So I could do plenty of research and come up with what I think is, you know, buy the things that are the Korean things and put all this stuff together. But ultimately, she's going to be, she's going to have a feel about if this is like, if it, what's, what's rubbing against, what's standing out, what is she bumping on, what's not working, or what it is working, or what it would need to make this work. And very often, it was just sort of like the inclusion or exclusion of a single thing could could make it feel right and there's lots of stuff that you just have to fake that you can't you can't get the real stuff you have to you know you have to make a change there's so there's things like um okay there uh when we did Heson's bedroom which you really don't see very much you only see him waking up in his bed but his room was a set there 
the, the a wood floor, a Korean wood floor is a completely different kind of texture to our wood floors. Even though they're all wood and the tone might be the same, the actual the actual feel of the boards, the groove or lack of groove, like they're absolutely smooth. And you might think you could you could find that. And in fact, you really can't find that. You could find like fake wood or vinyl, that's a sheet that rolls out. But but to find a wood floor that feels the richness of wood, that has the sort of warmth of wood, and that has no grooves and is completely smooth like like a bowling alley is is like a it's like another whole thing. And and yes, you could if you had an unlimited budget or loads of time, you could make things. So you either have to find it or you have to make it. But we had neither. We had, a, you know, we were not a high budget movie and we had a very limited amount of time to, to gather our stuff. We had a very limited amount of studio time to, to, to construct our sets, to dress them. So those are, those are really interesting sort of things to, things to get around, to get, to get something that feels right. I think you kind of maybe want to pull off on a few other strings. Um, and it's, it's fascinating to hear in terms of just like the specs that need to go into designing and set and decorating sets and how different different cultures and cities and how they need to look feel and even when it comes down to something so small minor detail like wood being used and how that has to look on screen for people to really sort of be taken into that world i always feel like it's like um i don't know if you've ever seen inception but when one of the characters uh, falls onto the carpet and notices that he's in a dream because the carpet's not right i always feel like that's like the audience way of when they see something on screen and something's just not right uh they'll pick up on it and get taken out and i think as well like the consideration that needs to be taken into what you guys do as a team and as a crew and the research and research and development that needs to be done as well really is like a big testament on that it's it's actually one of the most interesting parts of the job for sure it's the sort of it's the problem solving sure but it's also the sort of taking away everything superfluous kind of thing and figuring out because you're dead right the thing is that i get really in did you see eyes wide shut (laughs) this is my this Um, is my uh yes many years ago okay so if you watch Eyes Wide Shut, it's supposed to take place in New York, and the light sockets in the walls, electric sockets in the walls, are not American. And I can't tell you how upset I am about that because I've I've had people say, "Oh well, it's all part of this displacing you from reality thing." You know, it's intentional, and I don't think it's intentional. I think it's a mistake. It feels wrong anyway. Because you're you're supposed to be in New York. I know you filmed it in the UK, and you're not. You don't have the right electrical sockets, and I see that. And that now has pulled me out of the suspension of disbelief where I'm in this movie and in this world. And now I'm thinking about the light sockets, and now I'm thinking about the set decorators, and now I'm thinking about the electricians, and that's ruined it. <laughs> so I think that uh, you can't. You can't kill yourself going crazy about every detail, but there are certain things you just have to like, you have to, in many ways, the job is about making things that people don't notice, that just feel like they're appropriate. I want I want you to enter their apartment and feel like, oh, of course, that's their apartment, not, oh, that's a strange decision. I wonder why they have that cool thing. And so it's it's kind of like, how do I take away anything that would distract you from the story? Yes, and uh, it's just funny that you mentioned about the plug plug sockets and eyes wide shut because it is it is one. But it's you're right though. It's one of those things where you know that um, if they've they've shot it somewhere else, and then once you see those little details, that will make you feel like oh, this doesn't feel one hundred percent right in what it wants to achieve and where it is. But I think as well, like when you're in an area of like new, because as well as like if you're somewhere like New York where it is just so it's been done so many times where you can see how things look or how how a new york apartment would look like i guess that's also creates another challenge of making it different and 
making it feel like New York, but then also have that same sort of vibe and aesthetic of how people are living at the same time. Well, that's again, if you have if you have well-drawn characters, you know, in a script that are presented to you, if if a writer has done their job really well, you you have a character. So you can imagine that person and you can imagine their lives and you can imagine how they would, what their desk is like and what kind of level of mess they have. And we did little things like that too. I mean, uh, Celine has a way of taping up images or little pictures of photographs or sketches or notes on on a wall, lining them with like paper tape around the edges. And we use that all throughout the film um, because, you know, in many ways, this is her story. And this is her and she's this person and she's this aspiring creative person and she's doing this and she's filling her life with these little things. And uh, that's an important part of how we are creating the space that these characters inhabit. So in many ways, if the, I mean, if the, if the script has got, has the script has the characters in it, well, you know, well conceived, you can, you can go right there and find them. And then you can, just like an actor would, if they were rehearsing a character and they're thinking about it and where did this character come from? And, you know, what did they have for breakfast? You can think, well, where did she shop and how did she end up with this with this hat rack? Did she pull it off the street? This one she found on the street, you know, like and you can you can rationalize a story. You, you, you can put a story into a story that no one ever has to know is there. But if you believe it and if it's consistent, I think it resonates. I think it makes a difference. Yes, 100 percent. Just because as well, like you're with these sort of characters, because both of them are writers uh, one writes books, another is a playwright. I think you can think of like it, they're they're going to be very artsy people, and you could they'll have a very specific aesthetic and a feel of how they'll be dressing, how they'll have certain things in their house, how things will be laid out. Even when you're saying mention stuff about the desk, like the first thing that I could probably picture as like a writer is probably like a really nice book to write in and some really good high quality paper and pens uh, that people could just keep scribbling on and it's like things like that yep and uh agreed agreed and lot and volume too um writers read tons so they have their lives are full of books so you have a, a volume of paper and stuff around and i mean when you see the flashback to childhood and you see the 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 office where the where her parents were that room with the smoking and with the piles and piles of stuff you see that there's a lot of written word and there's a lot of paper and there's a lot of the tools of that kind of creativity around unlike when you go to like the uh the retreat the writer's retreat um where you have different kinds of artists there you know the space is different i think artists work uh sorry writers work is a sort of smaller it's a more contained process and um when she went to the writer's retreat, it was uh, like a, it was full of air in a different way, right? You're out in nature and the space itself is different. It's flooded with light. The things are, the objects are different. They occupy space differently. There's not in the city, you know, there's a, that art, there's an artist studio she walks through. And that was a big part of that space too. It's like, this is a place where different kind of collaborations occur so there was a different kind of density there if you know what i mean yes it feels like like un if you're sort of like doing it as a metaphor it's like slightly uncluttering of the mind in terms of like you go into this whole writer's house where it's like a whole fresh start and it's like again right. it's like it's like a part in the story that's like a fresh start for our characters in terms of love lives and yeah uh, meeting new people and sort of exploring ideas and it I don't know having like that em having that emptiness on the set not on the set in the location sorry like creates like a whole like new dynamic for people to kind of open their mind to other things basically agreed agreed and it does lead me to my next question because we when you're talk mentioning about the writer's house it is very it, it does have that sort of min, minimalistic feel to it as it's just like strangers coming to a house so there's not a it's a very sort of neutral ground should we say but at the same time there's a beautiful I saw a beautiful still in my research of all the writers outside 
enjoying drinks with lights above them. Um, when it comes to these sort of sets and where these lights are going to play a part in how it's going to look in the film and also play a part in how the actors are lit, is that something that you and the cinematographer discuss of the sort of lights or is that something that electrical <laughs> just figure it out themselves and incorporate it into the scene? You know, I think that um, in my experience, it, it's changed a lot because I would say it used to be more, I don't want to speak, I don't want to like completely say it's one or the other, but it used to be more of the latter. It used to be more like, I choose the pretty lamps and the pretty lights and that I want in the set. You know, I, I set the table and I put the candlesticks on the table and I, I get the little lights the little lamps and then I put them all over the house or whatever and I turn them on I walk away and electrics has to come along and satisfy themselves with whatever bulbs they want to use or anything like that but that's really it's really changed and I think it more and more I feel like we in uh, set decoration are lighting are doing a lot of lighting of sets and so there is more now um, discussion and collaboration with with uh, cinematographers, Chabier in this case, about like what specific lights he wants to work with. And all DPs have a have stuff that they prefer. They have their their own stuff that they like. And so you have to kind of you have to learn you have to learn the new person's the new person's things, and then you have to try and work within it. In it's it's particularly interesting now because in the U.S. we just they've just banned uh, incandescent light bulb sales, and <laughs> kind of kind of tragic. <laughs> and I wish I had, I wish I had bought a warehouse and filled it with incandescent light bulbs <laughs> because because the quality of the light is what everybody prefers. LED light is I think it's changing. I I'm not I'm no I'm no light expert. But um, I think it's getting to be more subtle, um, and it's certainly you can you can have different temperatures, and all that is better. But it still has a flicker problem, um, and it's not a hundred it's not a hundred percent fixed. But yeah, what we usually do to at sort of the end of prep is that we have kind of a lighting show and tell where we bring the instruments, the lights, whatever we're thinking about using, what we would like to, what we would suggest for certain scenes. And the DP gets to play with them and to try them out and to see what he thinks or make other suggestions. So at this point in time, um, in my experience, it's much more of a collaborative process where every style of light needs to be discussed. So yes, Xavier knew what kind of fairy lights we were hanging everywhere or, you know, what kind of strong lights were going up in that scene. They were all previously, he'd, 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 already, he'd already had eyes on them and knew what was happening. He didn't walk into the scene and then have to figure that out. Yeah, well, there must be, that would be a complete nightmare to like a DOP if you had no idea what lights would be like, especially with a film being shot on film itself. That probably would be like what I absolutely like sort of minefield but at the same time having those discussions because it would be going through what they would need because as you said as well how specific lights will be needed rather than leds with there's a flicker and how how these things just always like how you know it, it should be something really so simple but actually there's a lot that needs to be thought about and and what could be used and what cannot be used yeah, and I think there, you know, the the technology is just sort of racing ahead, and there's some really, really, really cool stuff now. I recently worked on a project, and it was like every single light was controllable, dimmable from the DP's iPhone. <laughs> the whole set was like you could play with it all, and he could change the color, and he could change. It was just amazing. It's it's definitely a collaborative process, and yeah. It's it, nothing, it's not really, there's very little in terms of these, these kind of things we're talking about that's left to chance. I mean, things like weather or like someone being sick or there are lots of things that you just can't, you just have to hope for, you know, but, but things like this, like, like the lights, the objects, the things, those are, those are pretty much like, that's like a military operation in, in best case scenario, that's all planned. Everybody knows what's happening. Best case scenario. Well, I think as well, like 
having that tech where you could just control it from your iPhone, that's like, again, that's another thing where you just think like, wow, like I, you know, back in the day, used to have somebody on the desktop would, you know, this guy who would have this, this whole system built for them just to sort of use on one stage and then they might need to wheel it to another stage or have the same set up in an, on a completely different area. Yeah, it's just insane now how quickly technology has changed. <laughs> and I think that, you know, if you're if you're up on, you know, like if you're if you're, you know, there's, there's so many different qualities like working with film. It, it, it's it's a creative medium, but it also has it has parameters. Everything has parameters. So it's kind of interesting to play with different play with different mediums like that. And uh, I think that. I, I think that the quality came through, don't you? I mean, the quality of the film—it felt—it felt like film, and I think that was really, really part of its part of its sort of lusciousness as a movie. I think yes, it, it does look like film, but I think as well, it's like the look and feel of it is what makes it feel like a film. I know it sounds really—I feel like um, like Harry Styles in Venice last year being like, you know, it feels like a movie, an actual movie, (laughs) but it's the, it's the aesthetic that is captured. That's what makes it, you could feel like it's on film because it has the right sort of what's called like bulb temperature. Should we say, I think the like light temperature in terms of just how everybody's lit very warmly and everything just looks like a painting in terms of yeah. just even the landscape shot landscape shots of New York like you could us as an audience could probably google a million photos or see the number of films where uh, each person has captured it differently but this way it still has that is it somehow in this film it's captured in such a different way like the beauty is shown differently and i think maybe that is because of the time of day that's been captured in or maybe it doesn't focus on those specific areas that we as audience members know so you know like for example i think the best easiest example is like times square but here they go they go past the statue of liberty ellis island and being on the boat where that looks you know that looks beautiful but even when they're by the carousel on that location as well the lights coming off the carousel and the natural light being used is incredible but then i think my favorite has to be the whole bar location and setup and the way that looks and is designed because it has that it has that vibe of like somewhere really cool that you could probably go there get like a really nice strong cocktail but it's also has that really low light aesthetic as well where when I'm, when you look at the still that's on your website have all three of them sitting there and it just seems like a really cool place to be a part of and I, I'm, I'm not and I was going to ask as well is like it was with this sort of idea and design was this written in script and it's like a cool trendy bar or was it sort of that jazz jazz club sort of vibe so I think the I think the thing about New York or or London, it's the same as that it's like a it's a major city that everybody knows about and everybody's heard of. And when you um, when you say you live in New York or you live in London or you're from New York, or you're from London, people know what you mean. But for each the, the remarkable thing is that for each person living in a city of 10 million people or whatever, it's a very different, an intimate city. It's very different. And I think that, I think that that's part of, that's part of the thing. Like so many movies are called like a love affair with New York or whatever, but it's, it's, a, it's always a very specific love affair. You know, very often it's kind of like the, the big glamour. And this is more of like, this is more of like uh, people, like individual people who have come to the city um, to pursue their, dreams in the moment they're not big splashy people they're living personal little lives and these are actually places that are very specific to them even like you know you said the staten island ferry you know when you go past the the statue of liberty that's like a very it's it's a big tourist thing to do in new york people people do this go on the ferry and they go and and the river and they come back and and that's what they do but it's still like you can imagine that you can imagine Nora the character going on that ferry without maybe not with Hesung but before like when she first came to New York this is something she would have done and so it feels like it feels like the characters really inhabit 
these spaces. Um, also, there's that moment when Hesung is in his hotel room and it's raining and he's alone and he looks out the window and he sees the city and it's this big uh, sort of alienating foreign place that he is not part of. And I thought that was really important, too, because that's like another another side. It's warm and cozy and glowing when he's with her. Otherwise, it's a lonely, the big, lonely, alienating town. And so I don't think that I don't think that this story was about cool people going to trendy bars. I think it was that they go to this bar that uh, Nora goes, Nora and her husband go to this bar, maybe, you know, I don't know, a couple times a month or something on their, you know, it's in their neighborhood and they like to bring people there or something. So I think it's more, it's more intimate, but heightened, of course, because it's not, you know, it's not a backwater, it's New York. So it is a heightened a heightened but still kind of intimate thing as opposed to being like the coolest trendiest bar it's been there a long time that place that place is is old as the hills it's a real bar and um you know you can go and it's been there my whole life so uh part of it's it's part of the furniture in a way that's sort of like that make that gives it a kind of lived in kind of glamour as opposed to being a hot new thing kind of glamour that's kind of the point i think I think as well, like when you're bringing someone else into your world or you have someone in terms of like visiting you or you want to show places, I, I don't think that you as, you know, you, you want to take them to the obvious, obviously the touristy parts, but then also you want to show them like a side of a city that's not necessarily somewhere that you would have thought you would have gone. So for example, like that bar, but when it comes to something like set dressing a bar that's already a bar uh should we say how do you go about being respectful to the area and space by adding your sort of touch your feel and getting it ready for um for shooting well a real space a real bar is not designed for a kind of single shot you know not it's not a single shot but you know not like for a certain for a film it's just like we're getting these people sitting at the bar and we're getting them for three angles. It's, it's, it's about a whole place. So we were concerned with, um, again, this, this sort of like intimacy and getting the lighting, which you talked about just right. And in addition to the little table lights that we brought in, fringe on the top and the dealing with the, the that bar has a, has a big sort of um, like, a, like a fabric canopy above the bar, which was not exactly right, which we needed to do a lot of tinkering with. But it was all about just keeping it as simple as it was so that the focus could be on the the faces of the three people, right? Because that's all we we really we really care about is, you know, okay, we've we've decided they're in this lovely cozy place and now we just want to spend a lot of time staring at their faces. Um and I think that that's what we did. We tried to take away everything that was in that that was in the way and it's we do this this is what we do all the time we take away stuff and then we put it back we take away things that you think oh that makes all the character of the bar and that's all and it's like yeah well it does but not not for this moment for this shot so it it, it was about it was about making it like creating this little like almost like a letterbox like a that frame where you are looking at them at the bar with the lights coming up from below and light coming down from the top and that that that's the frame, right? Anything else is not really necessary in that in that place. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's it's simple things like that where it's like we're just a bar playing as a bar, but it's not exactly that. That actually takes a lot of time. <laughs> it's kind of surprising that you would think you needed like more than a day to dress that, but you kind of do. <laughs> you can't you can't just shoot something. It's not you know what I mean. You, you, I'm sure you've been in this situation before. <laughs> yes, and you. It's really hard to sort of describe to the average Joe or if somebody asks about like talking about going to a bar or even a location being like, well, why don't you just use how it looks? And it's like, like, there's always more to it. And it's very hard to explain like why you need to change something or tweak something. I know there's like certain places that are often used as locations, so they understand why you need to move things. But I think sometimes when you're trying to communicate across uh, to people who own the location about why you need to 
change you know the tablecloths that they have to something that's going to be a little bit more aesthetically pleasing it's always like an art to telling them just in case you do upset them or offend them with the choice of what they've made <laughs> their own bar yeah the thing is though that it's 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 not we're not filming your bar we're filming an imaginary place it's it's a it's it's meta it's it's not that it's not your world unless it's unless it's some kind of documentary it's not it's a it's a dress set it's like we've done it on the stage, but we've used your fabulous place that already has the patina of age and this lovely old bar back that, you know, couldn't rent. And, you know, why not use what's already here? But it's not it's not the same. You know, we're not trying to. And I think, you know, too, it's like I think locations, people, not locations, department people, but locations, owners, people who own locations quickly have to realize that. It, just as we do, it's it's not about. Um, ego and your choices and like what you like and you know don't you like what I like it's nothing to do with that just like it's nothing to do with what I it, it's what works for the scene it's what it's what's telling the story in the most truthful way so th- that's the imperative so everything else has to you know and if the tablecloths all have to change and if the curtains all have to change that's just got to happen I mean that's just how you that's just how you get stuff out of the way of telling the story yeah that's what um, we do exactly and it's about sort of getting the right feel and look for what you guys want to create but I guess as well like when it's you mentioned as well like the patina and how that's always something that's really interesting in terms of like a design point and I guess with locations and it probably comes down to locations finding the right place but then um you guys then director obviously signing off on it but then you guys coming in and working with what the patina is and how to incorporate that into your decorating and designing. Yes. And uh, I mean, New York is old relative to, you know, cities. Um, and it, it's got lots of, lots of patina, lots of grunge, lots, it's worn in and you, you can't really, I mean, I think you see that in the street scenes and stuff. It is, this is what it looks like. It's a lot cleaner than it used to be, but it's still worn looking. It's still it's still an older city now. So uh, again, you know, it's it's also we all watch a lot of shows and films and TV, and we know what you know we know what New York looks like. It can't be too far off the mark. It's got to have it's got to have certain you know certain qualities and certain. It's not brand spanking new. There are always going to be weeds in the street. There's always going to be a little bit of schmutzy grunge somewhere. Um, and that's that's really important to, I mean, I don't know why else you'd film in New York if you weren't trying to really capture. And that's another thing, you know, this film is is about, it's about Korea, uh, but it's it's also largely about New York and the experience of being in New York and what that means. You know, so so everything is really carefully curated around around telling all of those individual stories. Yes, and as well, like with you know being in New York, there is always going to be a specific um, aesthetic that will go. And I think as well, having it in two completely different areas set in the film, one in Korea, one in uh, America, you really get to sort of play on the idea of cultures and what how different each culture is so for example like one gets mentioned that it still lives with his parents it's like it's not a very american thing but it's a very korean thing and how that sort of plays out as well and seeing how another way of like the character losing their korean identity and how it's being more embraced with their north american identity yeah that's pretty important it's uh that's the thing right nora is in a way, culturally, you know, she's morphing, right? She's uh, she's becoming more, or you know, her whole education and young adult life is is spent in North America. Um, I don't know if you get, I don't know if the Toronto thing comes through. The we we did a set that you don't see that was her parents' house in Toronto. So she 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 went from Korea to Toronto to New York, um, and there's. Uh, no doubt that the sort of your style as you get older changes you know you become less like your parents you become more like yourself and also in her case she's becoming more western in her taste perhaps 
um, but there's still going to be there's still going to be stuff that makes that makes that sets her apart. You know, there's there's uh, details that are like that might be um, sort of like vestigial fingers <laughs> about about how she grew up that are that are little things that we incorporate in the set that probably will never be seen, but that help I hope help the characters, help the actors to feel like the space that's created has a resonance for them. Yes, and it's always and the area is always going to be peppered in with little details of about their lives or what they might like, even to the you know to the sweets that they might or as you'd say candy right. that they might like, which would which you might not is that New York would be like or America, sorry, is like the only place that you can get it, and it's like those sort of uh, the little incidentals that will make up what people enjoy and how they're like kind of steering away from one thing to the other. Yes, yes, very much so. We had a lot of we had a lot of uh, nice Korean pens. You mentioned the paper and the pens. I had nice Korean notebooks and pens sent sent to me from our Korean colleagues. Uh, there was a bunch of lots of small sent from from Korea for us that were just sort of like, oh, this is great. We can, you know, this is a this is a a pillow, a supportive pillow for somebody working at a desk, the like of which we would never, ever see in the United States. And it's an absolutely ordinary thing, but it's nothing like what we have. So those are, those are gems. <laughs> <laughs> but on top of that, like when you're mentioning, I think those sort of things as well, it's like not even just as a uh, audience member, but as someone working is on the film, it's also just what a way to sort of discover new things as well and uh, understand other cultures without ever sort of like going there in a way or sort of just getting stuff like something so simple like it's pens where, you know, in my mind, you know, there's just like a universal pen. It's something that you use every day, but how different it that pen could be in another country or the sort of ink or even like paper thickness or how paper is used because if you have a wrong pen on wrong paper it's going to bleed through or it might not write because it's something's wrong with the pen or it, it's just those little things that like you, you just always have to sort of think about and keep that in mind hey you know like um you know how you have those pencils i think they're um Statler pencils are oh, the um, yellow ones that are the yellow and black ones yes yes um, yes i know what you're talking about you, you have these yellow and black pencils that don't have an eraser at the end, right? They don't have a rubber. They are just sort of like a, a stick of wood. They have like, I have, I have one in my hand I'm looking at, that's why I'm talking about it. It's an HB Norris school pencil and it's got a red tip and a white ring around it. And it's a yellow and black long striped situation. That is a British pencil. If you open a drawer in your desk, you're gonna find one of those. That's very, that's very specific. I can go out to the store and buy I can go to Staples and I can buy yellow pencils, yellow um, other other pencils, but they're not going to be this pencil. And if I am trying to, if I'm trying to nail nail something, and uh, if you, I think you would notice <laughs> is what I'm saying. If if you didn't see this pencil and I was doing a, a show that was set in the UK and you opened my desk drawer and there were like three sharp American pencils, you would you would you would on some level. Like a Dixon Ticonderoga is a pencil we have, and it's got a different look. It's a different yellow, and it feels different. It's not the same. This is a pencil you see everywhere. You don't even see it. It's invisible. Those are the kind of things that you need to add to wherever you are, which is why I have, which is why I have uh, far too much stuff in my life because I come across a thing of old pencils, and I think I really need to save them because they're better than new pencils. Yeah. Lots of lots of stuff like that. I just like now I'm just trying to picture uh, various pencils in my life and what I used to have in my pencil case. And yeah, it's funny how you mentioned that pencil doesn't have an eraser on the on the top of it. Um, you know the one I mean, right? Yeah, and <laughs> like now I'm thinking it's like now it makes sense why you had to buy a separate rubber to make sure that you can get all, because it never had a eraser on the top. It's just it's just funny those just those little things as well where you need to it's, sort of think seems, about. 
it's dopey. I know it sounds really funny. And that's, and see, the other thing is that you can get a lot of things from other places in the world. You can, you can order things online, but sometimes you don't even know what, you know, what to order. I, I, you don't, you don't know what to ask for. I don't know what the, what, what is, I mean, if I, if I Google Korean pencils, how do I know if the one that pops up on Korean, whatever, the Korean version of Amazon or whatever is going to be the common as muck pencil. I don't know that. I, I, it could be the export pencil. I know this sounds really, this sounds really minute, but to me, it does matter. And it, and it, and it's really, it really is a very nice touch when you can, when you can find things that you feel are like that lock, lock a place together, like they make sense. You know, you can go in a totally different direction if it's a fantasy world, you know, if it's, you know, if it's the future or whatever, you do whatever you want. But, um, but when you're talking about real people in real places, you know, you want to get the right pencils. <laughs> <laughs> Just to uh, wrap up the episode, what would you say? Actually, I've got two questions. So let's say this, this is my penultimate. So with my penultimate question, what do you think was the hardest prop for you guys to find and get um, for the film? I know what it was. It was um, Hesung's desk, which you never saw. But he had a bedroom and he had a desk. And we can find a whole bunch of pictures of of what this thing is supposed to look like. But actually getting my hands on a period piece of very ordinary uh, middle class Korean furniture from 20 years ago was was really, really, really hard. So that was I'm sorry that that I'm talking about something you've never seen, but that was really hard. Let me think if I can talk about anything that you have seen. Oh, that was a big, that was a big time suck. Oh, I know. I know. Here's a good one. We needed a piece of exterior, an art installation piece for the uh, writer's retreat place. Okay. In the field. I think you only saw a little bit of it once. It's a sort of black, a huge black sculptural thing. And actually finding a, uh, unique art is always an effort because you need to we need to get everything cleared we need to everything needs to be signed off by the artist you can't just show somebody's work on a film right so and getting a huge installation piece like this like something that is going to be delivered by a truck and visible from a distance that kind of thing it's a great big piece of art that you need to acquire that someone is that's in the region where you need it to be that someone can deliver i mean there are so many bits and that the artist is willing to let you use it for not too much money is is a very big challenge. And I was super lucky to have an amazing um, an amazing assistant who was a PA, whose name was Armand Madavi, and he was able. He took this challenge on, <laughs> and he was able to find this really exquisite piece of modern art and. And agree to a really great price and get the artist's own people to deliver it on a flatbed truck with a huge, huge lift thing and bring it to the location. It was remarkable and really successful. And I wish I, I wish you could have seen more of it, but it was perfect. And he did it. He did a great job. Big shout out to to him for sorting that out. Yeah. And on top of that, getting them to deliver it as well. I'm not sure. He probably has the gift of the gab somehow to be able to organize that. Yes. Um, yes, he does. <laughs> and being able to get that sorted because even my experience of working in transport, the hardest thing is always getting props back to uh, back from people because they always make it difficult for you to collect it, even though you've done the favor of taking it off their hands. Um, they always make it difficult to retrieve them. <laughs> But even the table, for example, I know we didn't see it, but again, you know, those details mean something to you as well. And even though you don't see it, it's still like you're certainly, if you watch the film back, you know that you've got it there and it's there that you could just be like, cool, not a problem. We managed to get what we need. And, yeah, exactly. um, and it's important that we have it there. And I bet you it does pop up in like a millisecond or something. It must be there. There's no way they didn't put it in. Oh, yes, there is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, no, 
really. It's okay. I mean, you know, like I said, there's no ego attached to this. It's just like, I got it and it was there and it was the right thing. But, you know, yeah, it wasn't seen. It's not, it's really not important. It doesn't, it's fine. <laughs> it's just a funny story. But the most important thing is you succeeded in what you needed to get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Saving the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then just to wrap up the episode, what was your favorite uh, set to design? Uh, not design, sorry. What was your favorite set to decorate? Oh, the artist colony, the, you know, the retreat was just dreamy. Um, and it was beautiful to be there. It's a, it's a remarkable, it's a remarkable find. Beautiful. Shout out to the locations because it was a great place. And um it was it was exactly right for the vibe and I was able to fill it with this really beautiful handmade pottery and also I have a friend who is a painter and he very kindly rented me his whole portfolio <laughs> he I took I took all of his student work he actually went to the slate and I took all of his work and made this whole studio from his work and his like dirty coffee cans of paint brushes and stools and palettes. I, I took all the stuff from his house and, and put it into this artist studio. You only see a flash of it, but it's there. And um, it was just like, it was, again, it was like a, a full character. There was a whole person who, who was inhabiting that space because I was able to get all of that stuff. And it was, it was really, really fun and nice. And, you know, that was the scene with the table, with the lights you were commenting on. It was just uh a beautiful place to be there were fields of flowers oh it's just dreamy it was great that whole sort of area as well it's just sort of those sort of places that you'd love to just go with your friends and have that sort of that civilized weekend away of just like lots of, of lots of booze maybe some card games and sort of maybe a fire pit to sort of just shoot the shit yeah. and relax sort of thing yep yeah and feel like that was your real life <laughs> yeah <laughs> Exactly. Uh, exactly. I wish. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Joanne, thank you so much for your time today. Past Lives is streaming now on VOD. If you have a chance, please go see it. Uh, you won't regret it. <laughs> thank you so much. It's been fun Th talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, thank you again. You take care and bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate and review this podcast.